Hello, Internet. You are now experiencing Technical Difficulties, an RPG actual play podcast. Each week we play a variety of games, including Call of Cthulhu, Eclipse Phase, and the upcoming Red Markets from Heaven on Games. New episodes are posted every Wednesday, along with a weekly blog where we discuss past sessions, post original short fiction, and talk about our hobby. Join us at www.technicaldifficultiespod.com. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Hey, it's Russ Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 129, Campaign Starters and Parters, where we're going to be talking about uh, starting campaigns, uh, what to look out for, uh, what to do, what not to do, and just our general thoughts as we're beginning a new Base Raiders campaign, finally. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked nearly enough about Base Raiders. No, no, not, 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 not since when you, like uh, aeons ago when you created that yeah, game. No, it's, it's, it's been, been like forgotten. two whole years that you haven't spent more than five minutes on an episode plugging it. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's like Ross likes money so, or something. Um, oh, yeah, because it's all about red markets things. these days. You know, Red markets is, is the new hotness. Uh, if Ross yeah, like agreed. you wouldn't have yeah. top RPGs. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, first off, though, we do have uh, some news, uh, and I have a new Base Raiders book out, uh, Base Raiders from the Underground, uh, which is a print compilation of, uh, and PDF compilation, of the first nine uh, smaller PDF supplements I've done for Base Raiders. So new heroes, new villains, new super teams, new gear, uh, death traps uh, that Caleb wrote. Uh, if you like giant robots, they're in there. Uh, there's Yeah, there's robots, there's power armor, there's... Uh, death traps, vintage death rays. Uh, it's got it all. Uh, it's available uh, for print for seven ninety nine on Drive Through RPG and uh, the uh, my own Gumroad store, and then also for fifteen dollars, uh, print and PDF on Gumroad. So, and I will autograph the copy because I'm that classy of a person. So, uh, yeah, that that's the big news. But then I guess there's also some Kickstarter going around too. Uh, yes, Red Markets is still up until uh, the twenty second of June. So please back today. We're at uh, we just unlocked another stretch goal. So yeah, we're over fifty six k. We're working on our sixty thousand stretch goal now. Uh, I will go write an update for that after I'm done with this. And um, book's going to exist now for sure uh, <laughs> in color. So yeah, with Hardback. color. So yeah. at this point, it's just you know Offset getting on and getting on all those extra stretch goal goodies. So, so. <laughs> yeah, we will shower you with PDFs yeah, by come this point. Aboard, Aaron, yeah. everyone's welcome. It's disgusting <laughs> showering you with PDFs. I mean, anyway, that's nothing. That was it was a practical hurricane of PDFs for the Seventh C Kickstarter. <laughs> oh. So this is just like a, a PDF okay, extinction of PDFs like, in the mist. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a sex act. <laughs> How does showering you with PDFs sound like a sex act? If know. you can't figure it out, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> until you're older. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about tone. Uh, <laughs> I think John Wick made a game called that. <laughs> it was called Wheel. Uh, ooh, no, Wheel was too boring for that. Uh, I didn't say it was good tone. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm starting the uh, Base Raiders campaign. Uh, the working title right now is Gate Nine. Uh, it might be changed later on. <laughs> <Nope>. not, <laughs> apparently not. Uh, the basic premise is all the player characters are humans, normal humans who all suffered linked by a bad event uh, in their past uh, before, you know, eight years before Ragnarok happened. Um, and then um, they all find out that they are then one day they uh, as the campaign begins, they find out they're no longer be- legally classified as human because of 
what happened to them eight years ago. And so they like uh, find a way, uh, someone sort of hints to them a way that they can reverse this by going to this place and finding out, hey, there's a superpower source we could use to just solve this problem. But instead of or just, just solving that problem, getting, getting back to their lives, superpowers. Yeah, yeah, they're like, let's take everything but the copper wiring out of this place. You, well, it's like you're going to... Um, forget. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, uh, we just looked at it from the terms of, well, you know what? You took everything away. We become base raiders. Yeah, that's... So I had an accident. <laughs> My character in setting was trying to do Accident, right. in yeah. quote marks. At, character as a player, I was trying to get superpowers. And in an accident, you have created player, the greatest the character that has ever game. possibly ever graced base raiders. Hey, I respected uh, the fiction as I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, true. I was duly impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to be running uh, uh, another campaign. Um, I mean, to be honest, this is going to be a little more uh, this is going to be more open ended than my previous campaigns um, you know Fallen Flag was obviously how the 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 ending was written in from the beginning which is like the characters either all die <laughs> or they all save up enough money to go on uh, one last score to retire and that's the whole story of that that campaign uh, this one, I have no idea what the story is going to be. Like, there's a beginning, but you guys are going to determine how it ends because it is it, are you going to become heroes? Are you going to become villains? Are you going to be a, a little from column A, a little from column B? Are you going to change the world, escape from the world? I don't know. And I'm kind of excited to see about this because, I mean, this is about base raiders. It's about, you know, changing the world and, uh, how do you use power that, you know, above and beyond ordinary humans and all that. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited because this is a, a sort of a change of pace for me. So, um, you know, we, as I mentioned earlier, tone is an important thing. And obviously, uh, we all kind of were on the same page with tone. Um, cause I sort of sent out emails to everybody to explain what the exact premise was. Even within base raiders, there can be some tone. And, uh, and I think it worked really well. Everyone was really on the same page, uh, working together in that first session. So I'm really excited to see what happens next. But obviously, that doesn't always happen, you know. Um, and sometimes it, it works even better than maybe what we did uh, this Monday um, for the first game. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, in terms of, like, starting a campaign and establishing the tone, what are really the most important things for you guys? Like, after that first session, are you, you know, you, like, really hype about a campaign or, you know what I mean? Uh, what, what is important to you? Um, well, I think you need to have that tone discussion regardless of how long you've been playing with the people you're going to play with and what oh, game yeah. you're playing. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, like, I mean, we played Faust's uh, Third Wheels, um, The I guess it's Thrilling, Delta Green. Thrilling Adventure Hour Delta yeah, Green yeah. game. And that was really fun, but it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was utterly <laughs> ridiculous. And it's, like, one of the most grim, darkiest systems that exist. Uh, and then, you know, essentially we used the same system to do God's teeth and everyone's like, I had to go home and take a shower <laughs> and have a good cry. Uh, <laughs> but, like, we we talked about the tone before God's teeth and we just started playing yeah. uh, the Delta Green game. Um, so I think and, – and then, like, with Red Markets, again, a very grim mm -hmm. kind of thing. But, like, we had a four-hour podcast and so the one-shot playtest is – yeah. Rackety schmackety do, uh, and it's fun and it's a good game. But like, if it was a campaign, it would be a very silly zombie campaign. And then um, 
the Fraggle Rock problem in playtests. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think you always have to address that. Uh, Again, the Fraggle- everyone sitting on this side of the table apologizes. <laughs> no, you don't have to. I mean, nothing. Like, it was a one shot. I go Fraggle Rock on one shots. Like that's true. Uh, uh, and in campaigns, but like you just have to talk about what you're going to do first. Um, but yeah, standing on kind of the opposite side of that from the uh, the, the grim dark perspective too, because when I started off the Atomic Robo uh, game. Um, and I know we hit it on this a little bit in the postmortem, but I explained to like kind of mostly I think David a little bit saying because he took a more turns toward even having a, a goofier character like uh, right um, Malvolent was, um, but tried to do something more grim dark like taking out a villain. It's like yeah, Tesla Dine's not going to let you do that. They're yeah. pretty much this is we're not meant to go out and guns blazing. This is pretty much you we're having you're have fun. And to and, and to yeah. interact with that story, and I think part of it is also um, some of that that tone is obviously carried through the system, and part of fate is that your character has it's sort of written into the game that you have to have setbacks, you know, <laughs> in order to eventually have success later on. And David, as a player, doesn't you know doesn't enjoy that kind of yeah, uh, he, give and take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He does, some players are mm-hmm. more resistant to that. Uh, I think a lot of it's or due to conditioning to D&D where it's like a tactical problem that you you are you are expected to be able to 100% everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you can't 100% anything, that's your your lack of skill as a player or something like that. And fate is obviously not like that at all. Like it is very much like you stumble, you venture brothers your way through until somehow <laughs> you succeed uh, to varying degrees. Maybe not full venture brothers. Never go full venture brothers. Yeah. No. Um, so still uh, waiting that for that calamitous intent game. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, Fraggle Rock is sort of a, an in-joke reference. And I know that just for those of you who may not be uh, aware of it is when uh, In Red Mark is, again, a very dark, grim, uh, post-apocalyptic game. Uh, one of our early one-shot playtests, <laughs> we named our characters after Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Yeah. And we got even sillier, and that was a bit of tone <laughs> dissonance. Yeah, I'll, 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 Alex, I take full responsibility for that one because uh, writing off of the name thing, I because Fraggle Rock is what I grew up with, Muppet-wise, so yeah, I so. named a character named Traveling Matt, and that, yeah. That just, you just have to shove it in everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that, but, that became the colloquial term for right. I um, mean, we did, we did kind of do... Adventure Brothers Town in No Soul Left Behind. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so, and, but I basically said, like, let's make it dramedy. Like, yeah. be as silly and wacky as wacky you do as you want, but if it gets real, let it be real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of the. And, I, and, and that succeeded because, yeah. like, I remember, like, the scenes with my uh, my character's son uh, were very much on the drama side. And then. And was, then you're irradiating yeah. beer. And with SWAT and, men. <laughs> and melting garage doors. Yeah, and melting garage doors. Turning things into uranium. Yeah. There was a great spectrum there because I feel like Sarah's character was far on sort of the arrested development yeah. end of the scale yeah. with everything that uh, transpired with Honey Bear. Yeah. And then there was, you know, Chan and to a certain extent Mr. A in the middle. And then on the other end. Bran Rourke. Oh, God. <laughs> so dark. Uh, but Comedy, but, yeah, that? and Bill, so what, what are the kind of things you look for uh, when um, starting a campaign? Well, uh, one of the things that, and I mean, this is certainly an idea that's, you know, been flogged around here a lot lately, but yeah. like the idea of running a couple of pretty well completely deniable one-shot sessions yeah. just to see if it's going to cohere first and to try to, you know shake out any any mm-hmm. looseness that's in the tone like i feel 
you know, no more than it is than of it has transpired so far. Like the Armitage Files is a lot better off for having run a yeah. you know yeah, two shot that has nothing to do with that larger story. Yeah. Well. Um, Maybe, um, but at ooh. any rate, uh, and and that I think was another good one where like we didn't talk a lot about it, but when we sat down to do character creation for that, you know, I kind of clued you guys in on what I was thinking. Like at first, I thought you know it was sort of like meh. Masks is a very it's yeah. it's it's a lot in dialogue with masks, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Where you know that was a very globe trotty, very kind of pulpy kind of game. I wanted to do something more. On the cosmic side, more on the, you know, sort of weird sci-fi, early Lovecraft kind of stuff, and something that was a lot more tied to an area. Yeah. And so... Yeah, not gunning down warehouses full of cultists. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, this is true. Um, and yeah, and I think that, yeah, uh, running uh, opening scenarios, that is definitely... Especially if it's a new system, as, mm-hmm. as we mentioned before, when I, I should have done that before I ran Tribes of Tokyo... Uh, since that was kind of uh, a jump uh, in game system and tone for a lot of players. Look, yeah. we yeah. keep bringing it up. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But you can't put that entirely on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Do not blame yourself for Forger Sniper. <laughs> All right? Or some uh, people, Japan. Some people yeah. bear a lot of responsibility for what happened there. And right. it's it's their sin alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, it, I mean, yeah, no, it did help. But I don't, and uh, it certainly helped having those opening scenarios for Mass Annihilothotep because mm-hmm. um, that also helped establish the hook of this of the campaign which spoiler alert is about like a certain npc being murdered and you investigating his murder so if you introduce that npc before the murder the players will actually hopefully Give a ca- damn. Yeah, yeah care more about his murder murder and, uh i just want to throw it uh, yeah and trying to do and yeah. using the opener not only um to introduce the tone of the setting as well but if it's a completely new system or like an atomic robo flavor of fate yeah um i thought that i've thought by doing the the training day session where you're just wandering about Tesla dying yeah. beforehand and then you're right getting that hook in there granted my failure was like hey look at that blue plant let's stomp in that blue plant no you don't get it I'm gonna stangle it in front of you and take it away yeah and so. yeah if foreshadowing is a really tricky thing to do as a GM because you have to do it like in fiction you can you as a if you're a writer since you have control over the whole thing you can be pretty blatant about the foreshadowing and be like everyone ignored the blue plant in the corner Whereas in a game, people are like, that's a really fucking uh, obvious thing. I'm going to, like, rub my face all over it. Uh, I want to find out what that is. Uh, so you have to be really careful about how that. So it's 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 a lot harder to do as a GM than as a writer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's – I mean, the thing is the, the opening scenario isn't necessarily – 100% because I did not do that for the Base Raiders campaign. Right. Uh, because that the whole point of the campaign is the origin story, like the character arc. And so, like, we start at day one, you are normal people, and suddenly you have this opportunity to get superpowers. What do you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, oh. that one shot thing is important just to, like, realize that the players are, haven't read the book. Like, yeah. 90%, yeah. if not 100% of the players haven't read the full book. So, that one shot also helps you get an idea of the setting. Like, yeah. Uh, like, I would never. St- recommend people start a campaign of red markets without playing a one shot because like no matter how many ways i pitch it or how many different buzzwords i use everyone's like so it's a zombie apocalypse game i'm like no it's i mean (laughs) 
I see where you get that, but like, it's not an apocalypse. There's like functioning manufacturing. Like, it's there's internet. Like, yeah. they don't really glom onto that until you play it. Or even worse, Eclipse Phase, yeah. where you mm-hmm. like play a character that dumped uh, eighty skill points into gear, and then the next session you transfer bodies and have yeah. nothing, <laughs> and you don't know how to. My re- Morph isn't here now. Yeah, and you don't know how to read anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, it, well, it'll like, be there in about eight months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So uh, I think you need those. Uh, well, the anarchists voted, campaigns. and they decided to take your body. <laughs> yeah, the good and the collective. <laughs> so uh, wait, what? Me? What do you mean we're going to the Jovian moons? I can't take this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, those are really good points. Um, it, 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 I think Bill, you brought up in our show notes that you should have kind of uh, what you call the uh, tool, well, the same page tool. Yeah, so. and and actually, that's a particular thing. I forget whose blog that it's on, but yeah, uh, yeah, but we'll put a we'll put a link. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to it. But it's something I stumbled onto a while back, and uh, it's really interesting. Uh, it's not maybe comprehensive, but while it looks sort of superficially like a questionnaire, it's actually more kind of like a, you know, I like to think of them as like a pizza menu. Yeah. Like your GM goes through while coming up, you know, doing his legwork beforehand for the game and says, you know, these are sort of the elements of a role-playing game that, that I'm putting into this just so you don't get sort of that out of the vast panoply that tabletop games can do, you know, so the players can look at that and see fewer surprises. And yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for those of you who like aren't too afraid of reading up on, you know, forge game, uh, game writers stuff, <laughs> Vincent Baker actually did a lot of great blog post series that kind of tie tangentially to this about kind okay. of figuring out that whole stancing issue. Yeah, we'll try yeah. and have a links uh link in I'm writing a note. <laughs> um so that I mean yeah, and, and that's a good point like for base raiders. I kind of did that to a degree because yeah. in base raiders, I not only said you had to be like a low power character, um I said no superpowers and you have to be human. Like in base raiders you could be a mm-hmm. non-human, you could be an alien. Uh, a robot or a magic spirit mm-hmm. or a crocodile uh, that is, I don't know, Tom, whatever. Uh, <laughs> crocodile yeah. that is Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly described. <laughs> See, he so, goes away for a month and we immediately unload. Uh, I think that's why he left. Yeah. No. Oh. No, he said no, no, no non human characters. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> just Fine. the sound of. I'm going to go walk the earth. Just yeah. tires peeling out of a driveway. <laughs> so it wasn't walking, it was flying. Uh, I thought he was going to that golf course where they saw that giant gator. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I uh, want to see that gator. That gator looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, and huge uh, and scary. Uh, but yeah, um, and so you, you, we had emails and people asked questions, and I like established, like, here's the one thing that links you on will be the frame initial framing device. Uh, here's this one incident. It, it happened to your characters. You don't have any choice over it. It's something that happened to you. Uh, you know, so everything else is up to you. It's like how you define yourself as a result of that. You know, did you ignore it? Did you was did it totally redefine you as a person? That kind of thing. And so, yeah. And I, oh, go ahead, kid. No, go ahead. Okay. I th- I think you did something really great there. In that, uh, granted, with the time lapse, it would have been pretty impossible to do it any other way. But like, yeah. you did a great job of starting that as late as possible yeah i mean to to co-opt a different metaphor there was no fighting about getting on the plane to antarctica (laughs) we started on the plane to antarctica yeah um yeah it starts out like 
basically in the first ten minutes, the the there's an NPC who gives you all the clue to go to the place that happens to have the superpower. So there are like some puzzles and things that were uh, in order to uh, get access to the superpowers, but it was pretty easy because yeah, yeah, I wanted to just see what you guys would do in that situation because I didn't know and I kind of wanted to see. Uh, well, and it's nice that you gave us that uh, that rock in a hard place too. That you said, all right, well, yeah, you can go back out of your lives, but the better chances are that you're going to be arrested and taken to whatever wonderful internment camp is waiting for you. Right. So. Um, and yeah, that, that, that was the thing. So, uh, I know I've been in a lot of campaigns where it did start way too early. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, here is the exposition and here's more exposition and exposition and exposition and exposition. All right, next session, you get to do something, you know? Uh, and suddenly every Cambellian there's like refusal of the call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the other thing. Every, yeah, you can't predict what the uh, players are going to do. Right. And players will seldom do the thing that you want to them, want them to do. Uh, so you have to just, yeah. So I've given up trying. I just like, whatever is whatever happens. That's uh, something really freeing about yeah. Armitage. I can't plan more than about five minutes ahead. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Armitage is really well written for that reason, yeah. you know, cause it just provides you the, this sort of meta narrative structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one other thing is obviously uh, when starting a new campaign, you think about your character that you want to build and everything. And so, there were, like I, we mentioned, we ta- every, I wanted to find out what players were wanting, what kind of person they wanted to have to start out with. And the thing is I didn't want to make them too interesting because the whole point of a role-playing game is that this is the most interesting part of your character's life, you know. And so um, – no. Yeah, like I mean, but but their different role playing games have different expectations of character growth and character arcs. You know, like some games are fair characters grow very quickly. Like D anD D, you level up. A level one character is very different from a level twenty, you know, demigod. But like a lot of games have very static characters. Like uh, actually, a lot of World of Darkness characters have very slow XP growth. So like mm-hmm. you don't gain much power over the course of a campaign unless you ignore a lot of what the game writes about what it's about. And instead, give them tons more experience points, and that's what happens, and they become fang superheroes. But, you know, uh, what do you guys think about character arcs, character? Well, the deeper yeah. problem with playing World of Darkness is playing World of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> You've are, you're, you're already off on the wrong foot. Um, Spoken like a true Caleb. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I, I think of it like character mutability. Uh, yeah. You could also think of it as, like, am I going to play a flat or a dynamic character? Yeah. Um, so, for instance, we're getting ready for a playtest campaign for Delta Green. Yeah. Uh, and he told us to make, you know, people, well-rounded people and all that kind of stuff. So we had to come with a backstory. So I did my best to do that. But at the same time, I didn't want to write more than a couple paragraphs because I'm like, knowing the GM, <laughs> this guy's going to die an hour in. Like, <laughs> like or, or he's going to be completely insane. And now his story is being nuts. Um, so... And with base raiders, when you're like a non-human, I wrote a pretty extensive backstory for it, but it means nothing after the first session because, like, now it's what happened in the first session is the is the character concept. So, yeah, um, I think you need to understand when you go in how how mutable your character concept is going to be, how much it's going to change, um, because I think that differs. Like in in D and D, you're going to be a more powerful thief. And you'll still do thief stuff. Like, uh, whereas, you know, if you have a game where you don't have superpowers and then you do, yeah. like, that's a big arc uh, or or something like that. Uh, that's a good point. But even in a D&D campaign, like, the GM will hopefully say something like, this is going to go from, like, level 1 to 6 or level 3 to 10, not mm-hmm. like... 
it could go whatever. So like your character, like obviously uh, part of also in D and D is you engineer your character to be like at this level, I take this paragon near this prestige class, or I do this and I do this and then I'm super. Yeah, yeah. That it's just character it, optimization. Yeah, that you. But but I you should you know. <laughs> have some idea of like how long it's going to go. Yeah, and like I said, Caleb brings the good point about mutability that uh, you don't want them just defined by that those abilities too that uh, of that upgrade, but how they'll turn out like. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit, uh, if you have spoilers on Fallen Flag, but how we ended up at the end and the care us carrying all of our scars and then having to, for a session, play us as our bright, fresh-faced, so to speak, <laughs> characters again. And you know, like role-playing-wise, I was sitting there for a second going, holy shit, how do I do that? Because <laughs> I, I hate at least two people in this group with a passion now, or my character disciple <laughs> with that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean that. Yeah, it, it, a lot of it is. Uh, yeah, you, not just your your character's power, you know, your skills or whatever, but your emotional arc. You know, like what what happens. Certainly, especially like uh, among characters. Um, Bill, any thoughts? Oh, uh, just thinking like of the base raiders thing. Like, uh, I'll just sort of you know add another yes man to what we're saying about mutability because <laughs> like I, I came in with a pretty particular idea. Maybe not. I mean, it was sort of based around, you know, if this character is going to go after powers, what they would be on the Mm -hmm. basis of, you know, the vaguely mentioned thus far event. Yeah. Having had certain psychological effects on him and, you know, trying to figure out a way to play that that wasn't exploitative, but still, you know, Mm -hmm. well, to be honest, I was going to have a, you know, be like dealing with body dysmorphia because uh, not to like brag, but. Yeah. I'm 75 pounds down, and that is a, not the same yeah. body I had. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of weird. So I thought of, you know, work on that a little bit. Right. But then, you know, you dangled music in front of me, and it's like, <laughs> well, you know, sometimes. A music player, power, yeah. 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 Uh, that's true. Uh, but And there's not to say you couldn't find something later on that would have. Like uh, you know the the dinosaur elixir or whatever, so right. something like that. Um, there's always, I mean, that's a, yeah, one thing in base raider. One thing I also did in base raiders was I didn't want to like I did come up with specific kind of things that you could find in this one area that had powers, but I also made it clear that you could just take them and try and sell them to gain whatever kind of powers you wanted specifically because I didn't want you to be hedged into these this certain finite number of powers you know right. yeah all uh, the same there was just that difference of like using something that was actively there yeah. versus oh i'm going to flip this because i didn't want the transformation that came from the super soldier drug i yeah. wanted the dinosaur potion yeah you know <laughs> something like that so, right um but yeah um and kind of tailing off of the whole thing with character uh, mutability uh one thing I thought would be important to do is also uh, player dynamics moving in from one campaign to the next. Okay, yeah. Scary in behavior. Yeah, that's depending on what has happened in the previous one, and let's just say if there were certain rivalries going on prior to that, <laughs> carrying over into yeah. characters of the next one, or you have certain players who want to continue that, or their natural method of communicating with each other is just sniping constantly. So, yeah. uh, no, that's true. Metagaming Why would you just... mention that? Aaron? <laughs> because I'm apparently at an AA meeting. now. <laughs> so. um, no, metagaming issues are a big thing. Like people will bring in baggage from their other games, uh, in, in a sense. And like one of it is player versus player dynamics, yeah. two players. And I, we, I think we're really lucky with the base Raiders game is that all six players were like, 
everyone was, I think, hitting, firing on all cylinders, and nobody was really like metagaming or doing anything really. Uh, but I've certainly had games like that, you know. Um, and there, and so player versus player conflicts are one thing. So you know, the Jason versus Aaron conflicts of you know here's New York years ago. Well, yeah, uh, for our veteran listeners out there, shots fired. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty well. Stacked. Here's think, New Arcadia. Yeah, yeah, those are that, that's more like shots in the dirt and Dark and Sun. We made it two sessions in Dark Sun for you actively trying to murder each other. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, uh, no, I, I take responsibility on my end for play, apparently trying to play the Elf Punisher. Yeah, um, but also. <laughs> In retrospect, Jason was trying to play like the most evil hobbit there ever was. Well, he was Dark Sun. He was yeah. in character. For that. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, but I mean, it's not just that too. But there's also players will have different ideas about what the tone is. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, different expectations about what they should do. Uh, you know, bad habits or like different habits. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad habits, but like. Again, I think this goes into like so, since we're going to pick on yeah. people that aren't here, dynamiting <laughs> the train toilet instead of uh, you know trying to do something oh, yeah. useful. Uh, yeah, Sean in uh, Mass. That, I don't think that was that. I think I don't think that was baggage from another campaign though. I think that was just him. No, yeah, it was just you know player tone choices. Yeah, player tone choices. Was uh, that before I joined you guys? Or? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember that. Uh, so that's something you definitely have to to be aware of. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, just communicating as early on as you can is sort of the best thing to do. Um, but uh, when those kind of things come up, I mean, um, I don't know. What do you, uh, Caleb? Do you have any thoughts on dealing with those kind of things? You know, um, I haven't seen a ton of that baggage stuff in campaigns I've run because, like, by the time we did No Evil, you guys had kind of addressed. Yeah, maybe don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, for the 80th time, um, and. <laughs> Uh, we didn't have anything like that in No Soul Left Behind or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, it's because there was a girl there. <laughs> I don't oh, think there's... I nice. know you were all scared and good behavior. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but we survived and yeah. moved on. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So I haven't had to deal with that very much. But then again, I'm a relatively a yeah. noob to the hobby. So Yeah. Uh, I haven't been playing with the same people since junior high, like <laughs> a lot of people here. So, yeah. yeah. Well, no, Tom and I high school, not junior high. So, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, we, we have to we have to draw a bright line around that. <laughs> I don't talk to anyone I met in college anymore <laughs> on purpose and actively avoid them. I can't imagine going back to high school and still being friends with someone. For not to mention like gaming with them. So, yeah. All right. We, we left uh, the fun factory behind. You know, I think uh, when you're starting a new campaign, a lot of times, like, I think we're RPPR, we're kind of unusual in that we usually have sort of, I think, by tabletop standards, a really tightly, like, plotted or structured campaign relative to most RPG sessions. Most campaigns, they start and, like, yeah, let's just play D&D, and I got this idea, and let's just see where it goes, you know? Uh, and so they're kind of open ended, and the GM doesn't have an end game. I mean, yeah, you doing that for um, the base raiders campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I could ever do that. Like, like the fact that you started the game and you had all this stuff plotted out and like this mm. good meta story, and you told us what to do, and then you didn't know what to title it. Yeah, like I, I my brain would not <laughs> like I'd come up with a title first and build a campaign around that, Ooh. like as a theme, or uh, that's how I would do it. Or I always have like some sort of end goal 
in yeah. mind. Well, I do uh, have a, I do have an end game in, in for base raiders that it's by the time you, once you get to high power, like thirty skill points, you're currently twenty skill points and six refresh low power characters. And um, I want to see where you get, like you get to thirty skill points and ten refresh as a high power character. Uh, and so, like once then you're fully you're equal to any of the pregens in the back of the book, you know, like Iconoclast or Night Air or any, you know the iconic characters. Yeah. Um, so that would be near the end game. So hopefully by then there's some kind of plot. <laughs> well, and but we that we can resolve. But I don't have. Yeah, it's not about like saving the world or solving the mystery of Ragnarok per se. Great tagline. Yeah. Gate nine. Yeah. Hopefully, there's some kind of plot. <laughs> we will reach I mean, a destination at most, some point. The most yeah. I've done with that kind of stuff is No Soul Left Behind, in which half of every session was sort of freeform what your plot was. And that was really gratifying, yeah. and I liked mm-hmm. seeing everybody's subplots, but I still wanted like the ultimate mystery of uh, Triskaidecka to right. be. And you also focus. had it structured around the school year, too. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, so some sort of structure to help aid that along. And then the only thing I've started would have no idea where it goes is Dungeon World, and boy, that's gone far. <laughs> like, you know, like, we just... I feel you know, like if you just drink more, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Well, I'll, I'll say that... Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Well, with the Colossus Archipelago, um, it's... Uh, honestly, that's kind of our playground yeah. <laughs> that we can kind of go back there for fun, funsies yeah. whenever. Yeah, we want. I don't, I don't regret because like that was my intention though. It wasn't like I want to start a campaign and then maybe it'll be that and maybe it'll be. I'd be like, no, I'm going to drink when I run this, yeah. <laughs> and I don't care what happens. Like it was still a plan to not have a plan, like uh, if that makes any sense. Sure. So, uh, but if I don't start with an end in mind, we just won't reach it. Yeah, no. and, uh, and and you bring up good points about that because um, I, I'll admit I'm fairly ignorant about some of these other podcasts when they just mm. set up like the one the continuing story with no clear goal in mind at least setting up that one little brass ring at the very end yeah even if it's just a small little thing provides so much stability because before really before doing stuff with rppr i can remember the countless games that tom and i did with like david or a couple other people and then sometimes you that just kind of petered out every once in a while yeah that's, yeah that's something, i think that's more the the common experience because i've heard so many times with people like we had a campaign it lasted five sessions and then we never played it again yeah. you know or we we went for five or it's the it's either that or like we have played since 1979 yeah. and we have gone through 1800 generations of player characters yeah and, that's, know, and thousands and, of years ago and i've, and I've yeah. experienced that on the both ends too because uh like in one end we like Tom David and I by some miracle managed to keep the Gargoyles game running with just the three of us for almost two years I don't know how we did that yeah. um, and then of course we had with our friend Andy who's in Seattle um, we had his game where whenever he would come back so it was kind of a plot line but Again, we never see each other anymore, so right. that's pretty much just left dangling in the wind now. I feel like life is going to cancel your series, and that's going to mess your narrative. <laughs> e- yeah, that's, like, is absolutely. that an existential fortune cookie? Life is going to cancel. <laughs> I don't know. Your series. Like, yeah. I mean, Twin Peaks, real cool, weird. Yeah. Every individual episode canceled, no resolution. So it's just kind of this weird thing that's like, oh, that had potential, then it didn't happen, and then what's your alternative? It had potential and it didn't finish. Yeah, forever or lost. or it comes back. Yeah, and you're real skeptical about it, <laughs> and you're not sure if you're happy about that or not. Or lost, in which no, it should have ended and not had a resolution. That would have been better for all of us. Uh, I feel like those are your three end states when you just kind of wander into the narrative and hope for the best. Uh, so, I mean, that's why I'm always skeptical to start without some kind of end in mind. Okay. Uh, even if, like, there's a lot of leeway 
and room for characters to build subplots and stuff within that, I do think like something needs to happen. So like if I run unknown armies, that's why I'm so psyched about the new edition. You have a goal now. Like it's a player set goal and everyone works on it together, but that's the goal you're working towards. And if something changes, you can change that goal, but you still have a target the narrative is moving forward. Because otherwise I think you just get like crazy Twin Peaks magic crap. <laughs> uh, and then you move on. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm of the mind that you should definitely have an endpoint. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, so there is a loose one with base raiders, and that's kind of a, like once the players get enough experience to be badasses. And then uh, sort of uh, – but other than that, like I kind of want you to define like how – so in a sense, it is how you how do you change the world and – or do you choose to be – you know, withdraw from the world? So it, it, you guys haven't defined what the plot is yet. So I want to let you, you define that to a certain be, But yeah, but anyways. Be honest, Ross. Yeah. There's a Carcosa out there somewhere waiting for us in Base Raiders. <laughs> we, that, of course. We already did that like way, way back when it was still uh, yeah, in the Gurfs, Age of Masks. So. Uh, and that was Mutants and Masterminds. Yes. Uh, oh, it's, oh, is it Mutants? Yeah, Age, it Ma- Age of Masks was in Mutants and Masterminds. I thought it was in Gurfs. Oh, no, I'm remembering okay, something else. Okay, after we beat Cthulhu so. and Heroes of Neuro Arcadia, yeah. Merlin came and wrecked our shit. <laughs> yeah. So... There's yeah. some sort of cosmic entity on it. And that wasn't Cthulhu. <laughs> it was my reskin Galactus. So, yeah. I don't hear it. Uh, I'm original. Uh, so, um, yeah, there, there is that. There were, I mean, obviously there would be a Carcosa or whatever, but again, it's like, what do you guys... Obviously. The, well, the, the, the thing about Base Raiders is that it's every superhero trope. Like, it's everything. But so, we don't like, have to curve off. You don't, have to, you don't have to touch on it. You know, you can choose to... Uh, I can present that plot hook and you can just run away from it and be like, nah, I want to be cat burglars. It'll be in the background staring at us wistfully. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on how much you want to rub your faces on it, you know, which is the standard. Powers, rub your face on it. Judging by the one session so far, I yeah. think our reaction to that question is pretty much always going to be yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Uh, when presented with seven different superpower sources, you're like, I we yes. There are only all. six of us. We need to engineer some way to fix this. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Um, yeah, I got it. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> uh, I handled it. Uh, <laughs> oh, you you did. Yeah, so I guess there is an end game for base raiders, but I don't know what it is yet because I want to be collaborative. You know, it's like, what do you guys want it to be? Right. So I'll present opportunities uh, and moral dilemmas. You know, like a Bioware game. You know, uh, yeah, Do you do you pet the puppy and get plus one hero point, or do you kick the puppy and get plus one evil point? Either way, you get an awesome magic item, <laughs> and it's that's about free will and the choice of morality. <laughs> Uh, is, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, according to a Bioware game, it is. And your three color. You level ending. up either way, you know. Um, but yeah, don't talk about Mass Effect around me. <laughs> Too soon. E three starring Superman Andromeda. Yeah, there's no. I won't even watch the trailer. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. I mean, are there any kind of other things you like to see? I mean, aside from the stuff you like to see, you know. Talking about goals and making sure we're all on the same page, that kind of stuff. Are there any warning? I mean, obviously there are warning signs and there are bad things that could happen. Uh, if players are or the GM, uh, uh, especially, is like way too creepy or you know just like Ugh, you know that's obvious. That's obvious. But like, are there subtle, more subtle things? I don't know. If it's obviously going to be Aaron Shower of PDFs game, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, I will say, make sure everyone's investment level. Yeah. Like, yeah. I probably should have made an executive decision and pulled out of Knights Black Agents yeah. very soon. 
but I was like, oh no, they're just getting into it. They did, they were not getting into it. It was a game that David and I were playing and having a great time <laughs> in which other people occasionally physically were present. Uh, oh. And you you were in there too. You picked up as well. But like Tom was Tom and Jason, yeah. Tom and Jason. Oh God! And I I as much as I loved that character and I loved the premise of that game and I yeah. really want to play uh, Night Spike Agents again, like as a campaign with like people who give a damn. Um, like dragging them through the narrative <laughs> was just exhausting. Uh, so that probably should have been like my first cue. Like if you're picking up on like physical social cues that the person is not into what you're doing at the very beginning like make some effort to do that (laughs) make some effort to get them in there but when that it's clear that's not going to work like shut it down like before you get 10 sessions in and they're a lodestone around your neck (laughs) uh so yeah I thought about i mean there have been games like that um that i've played in uh where it was just draining to be in because uh, I know there was like a mage game that I was in where well, a campaign, yeah. World this, of Darkness. No, yeah, it was World of Darkness. That was one. But it was the GM would do these long scenes with one player at a time and everyone else just had to wait around for that one scene to end. And then it's like, oh, now it's your turn. Here's blah, 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 blah. It was also really a mistake for me joining in like halfway through the campaign uh, as a new character and be like, "Oh, the, oh no, uh, the Red Baron's back!" I'm like, "Who the fuck is the Red Baron?" Oh, he does. He's bad. Don't worry about him. He's bad. I mean, he's bad. we'll worry about him, but we're yeah, yeah. It's too much to get into. He's bad. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So um, it's World of Darkness. You weren't meant to know. Yeah, it was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there, there's certainly uh, that, and there there have been other games um, where player participation level and skill mastery level were really variant. Um, and yeah. Um, but also kind of going out with the opposite side of that on the GM, uh, where you want to also you want to make sure that once you have them out in those first couple sessions, mm-hmm. start trying to plan out the what what an, a small individual arc for each of these characters would look like. So you don't want to yeah you don't want to basically do one session per character where it's just the yeah, yeah. it's the Caleb show or the Tom show, um, but plan those. You want to advance out. everyone's yeah plots and yeah. that's the thing yeah I think the biggest one if you have players who are invested is that they don't have subplots you know if they, they don't, if they don't want to do anything if they don't have anything show up and like oh my god what. Am I even doing this? Um, you can kidnap their mothers, and then they'll eventually get around to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I think scheduling is another red flag. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't get invested in a campaign if like the guy's canceling two out of every three times. Because like, oh yeah, you're probably not going to finish it. Like, yeah. why mm-hmm. take that time when you could just be having like a satisfying one shot rather than a yeah something that fizzles and never ends like. um yeah or players especially players who get uh i mean that that's really true it's, even if they insist that they want to play but they just can't if they keep canceling on you if they keep like it's just well it's either you're being really passive aggressive or it's just not going to work either way because uh, there have been people with the rppr group that i've invited and like you know i invite oh i can't make it and then I send out two or three more inv- invitations, and I can't make it. I can't make it. I'm like, well, I'm going to stop inviting you because yeah. you're not going to show up. So what's the point? Uh, it's not going to get better. Uh, that might be another good thing to think about before you start a campaign is like the codependence of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like the structure of the narrative. Is it going to allow for someone not to be there? Or oh, is that's it going to really make point. the yeah. story really freaking stupid? Like when we play tested better angels. Yeah. 
and we were having such but, but when we canceled it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> when we said screw it no more it was because better angels has that codependence of like everyone playing each other's demon so it really screws up the entire play dynamic if nobody shows yeah. up uh and so that's different than like dungeon world yeah drunk play which is <laughs> like oh no they're who's off doing tonight? something yeah. Yeah. yeah who's here tonight and like that's not that's not a big deal yeah uh, as opposed so like you need to look at the narrative and the mechanical structure of the game mm-hmm. and decide how scheduling is going to affect that i mean especially and, if you're yeah. not doing like individual episodic sessions but like if it's something like the early play tests or red markets where like jobs were frequently going over yeah one session and we were continuing the next job like mm-hmm. you know where did steve go yeah uh, in the middle of the gunfight, like you know <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, uh, that, no, that's a really good point. Um, and some systems are more vulnerable to this than others. Obviously, No Soul Love being, or uh, Better Angels is m- more vulnerable to this. But there are other games like I know the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like one player is the Slayer, and so if the Slayer's <laughs> not fucking there, you're going to have a tough time with those vampires. Just your Scoobies, you know. Uh, but like any game can have that happen because you could always like. A lot of GMs will pull their plots from other sources, and so if you do a fantasy game where there is a chosen one and you're all his companion ones uh, to save the evil, and so if Frodo isn't playing and he doesn't, Frodo doesn't show up for six seasons or six games, you're like, well, he's somewhere near Mount Doom. He'll get there any day. Read the appendices, find out. Let's go fight some more orcs. Well, I mean, no evil worked out because it could be in Eclipse Phase. You can have a TPK and keep the campaign going, but like. When the combat monster, the guy whose entire character concept is murdering things, doesn't show up for literally the biggest fight in the campaign, yeah, and you all get wrecked. <laughs> like I'm like, like if that hadn't been a close phase, I would have had to be like, eh, let's not do this tonight, and not said why because like if that had been like D and D, it's just over. Like yeah. the game's just done. Like so, you know, you got to be careful about that kind of stuff. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, uh, Bill. Any thoughts on that? Or <laughs> I had something a minute ago. Okay. Hopefully, we'll uh, circle back around. Okay. Well, there are other issues with, uh, especially starting a new campaign. Like um, if certain players have asymmetric demands. You know, if right. there's one player who really is like, I want to do my thing. Every game, you know, or something like that. That's kind of a warning sign. Or like they try to coerce the campaign into a certain direction right at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that I feel happens a lot, especially in new campaigns. They're like, you know, you have your hack and slash player and like, Oh, I'm going to be running a game of political intrigue and diplomacy. And, but well, I invest- smite the King with my sword. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, why the fuck are you doing that? I don't know. Just felt like chaotic neutral sharp yeah. negotiations. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns into a hack and slash game because the hack and slasher guy wants to hack and slash and he gets mm-hmm. bored because he's not hack and slashing. So the answer is don't invite the hack and slasher or, you know, adjust your game. Uh, so I feel like there, and a lot, I don't want to say most players are like this, but there's always that one guy who's just willing to crash an entire campaign right, right at the start because he doesn't get what he wants. And I think, like, something important to keep in mind there is, like, not everybody has the you know plethora of players that yeah you know, the RPP does this, these days, and so it's easy to feel like well, but we have to include hack and slash Steve yeah. because you know otherwise we've only got two other people. We use his house. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he has the best snacks. Right, he is the Dorito gremlin. You know, but <laughs> but there is an extent to which like 
you as a GM deserve to run a game that you actually want to run and will have fun running. Yeah. So, I mean, that's true. You I, know, yeah. there's probably some sort of, you know, wishy-washy middle ground kind of solution yeah. there, but Google know. Hangouts is really good, guys. Like it drops not nearly as much as Skype. Yeah. Just, if you have a shitty real life group, get a okay <laughs> long distance group. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, go to the RPPR forums and organize the Red Markets game. Yeah, yeah. like it, like playing online is not my favorite, especially since I am spoiled for being able to play an RPG pretty much any night of the week. Yeah, I want to, uh, but uh, you know it's not bad, and there are a lot of people who have like really stable group and entire podcasts now. Yeah, from technical difficulties. Play, yeah, yeah, just because they found an online group they like. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, uh, I will put. That reminds me, technical difficulties sent me a promo that uh, I will play. It, I will put into the beginning of this. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, don't don't marry yourself to like running a game you hate because yeah. the players suck. Because yeah. Steve, <laughs> yeah, because um, hack slash. Yeah, hacks, actually, uh, yeah absolutely. Because <laughs> that's something else that we brought up uh, the other uh, year before last, or no, last year when we. Uh, uh, when uh, Matt Travis and I were doing the Skype panel, mm-hmm. is that, yeah, just put random, uh, for whatever form that you belong to, that's uh, like whether it be things on Reddit, SA, or mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, just put out a feeler and say, yeah, is anybody else interested in the playing the game? Worst oh, case yeah. scenario. If you're listening to this podcast, go to the RPPR forums and yeah, RPPR ask forums. for people. RPPR forums, too. Uh, and then you, it's even the better than, like, because you're not posting up, like, a flyer at the electronic game shop anymore, either. Because, like, yeah. so many video games are online in multiplayer now, and there's a big cross-section of that Venn diagram. So if you like playing with Destiny with so-and-so, maybe you'll like playing a RPG with so-and-so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. Uh, and the other new problem is, with play, is especially starting a new campaign, is... The players don't want to learn a new system, which yeah. happens a yeah. lot, and that's sort of the biggest thing. So, yeah. Kind of branching off of that, uh, what I was thinking of a few minutes ago came back around to me. It's something I've been mulling on a little late, lately relative mm-hmm. to another thing. But like, if it's the sort of game, uh, and I'm thinking more of like narrative kind of games here that require a certain amount of effort mm-hmm. on on the part of the players, like not even necessarily in a... Uh, like you know, sitting there at the table every time to sort of differentiate this from the, from the tribes of Tokyo discussion. But like, if there's front end work that needs to be collaborative, like if you don't think your player group will do that with you, that's probably a great sign. You maybe need to think about running something else. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If you're, if your players aren't willing to do, a minimum, like a modicum of work, in order right. to like if you, if they expect the GM to do everything for them, that, right? Yeah, but like even on from there, I guess sort of the larger point I'm making is that like if you've fallen so in love with the idea of the game you want to run mm-hmm. that you're willing to you know do their homework for them. Maybe, no. you you know, have I become codependent to my own game scenario? <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't run Spark the RPG, and then make up the setting entirely yourself and give them pre-gen characters. Right. Like the purpose of that RPG is to design its own setting with its own moral values and ethics and that kind of stuff, and then role play that out. And you need to do that together. Right. Uh, you're you're missing the point if you just design it from the ground up and not everyone's equally invested yeah. uh or as another example uh don't do dresden files if you can't do the collaborative city creation uh aspect as much <laughs> um because at least with some of the players you know um 
uh, don't just create the city on your own uh, because you want to run Dresden. Um, well, no, Dan did. The, Dan had players input onto. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah he did. Like he did a majority of the leg work because yeah. he knew Dresden the best. But right, but everyone had their input into it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that's definitely uh, something to think about. Um, yeah, don't get. Because I know a lot of G- and a lot of GMs will put in way more. Uh, sort of an aside, like this is kind of like when GMs put in way more world building. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, here's this continent that I use from a map generator. Let's just go into the demographics of every city in here. You know, this one has thirty percent elves, twenty percent halflings, and their trade is this. And their history goes, to, uh, and the players start five hundred miles away. So let's get everything uh, between these, this X and this X. Can you name the five uh, first stewards of this township? Exactly. Yeah, just the, like. And that could be fun just as a hobby on its own as world building, but like that's not that's orth- it's orthogonal to like running a game. It's not the same as running a game. So. And I, th- I think that goes back yeah. to the deeper issue of like investment levels because you're yeah. like, I read this book called Speed Tribes and Token and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and I'm like, oh, my character will be through this because it's part of the police force, but it's yeah. technically a national thing, and I'm, I'm like researching forger, and then forger sniper, <laughs> or I'm an American. Why are you there? Because I. For reasons, because Ross made me play the game here. Why is everyone no, not named okay. Kyle? Like that, you know. To that- be fair, no, no, no. I asked. I asked that one of the players be a foreigner. Like I wanted a, a foreigner in the group. So like the token foreigner. Yeah, and then like. Uh, so that you can't blame on. When I thought about doing Forger Sniper, when I thought about doing Knights by Gage, and I wanted to do this big world hopping yeah, yeah. Wikipedia thing that like responds current events and all that kind of stuff. Um, I still would like to do that one day with. Players that are obviously <laughs> sounds fascinating, it. yeah. But like at the time I wrote all that out, I looked at the play group and like, no, I'm just repeating the exact same mistake. <laughs> so like, um, we can't go back there. Again. Yeah, we can't go back there again because it's going to be like, all right, you're in uh, Turkish Cyprus, and you know it's about navigating the line between the Greek and Turkish Cypriot, and there's only no. two passing places, and then. I just know like two of the, out of the three characters would be like, "Where's the gun store?" And I'm like, God damn it! Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't want to do that again because the investment level would be, you know, it would be too. And I think that leads to like, I think there's such a thing as abusive game relationships. I think oh, there, yeah. yeah, I think there are a lot of like really dedicated GMs that are GMs because everyone else at the table is an abdignation fun guy and you might as well and actually be better off just having a poker night or board game where you play yeah. or a board game night where you're like playing for pretzel sticks or something like uh, because that person puts in a ton of investment no one else gives a damn and that leads to like rage quitting and blowing up a social event that would be better if you just played like concept or something or hero quest which yeah. I hear it is the best game ever uh, so yeah or drunk I, quest yeah uh okay. yeah well yeah uh yeah. <laughs> so you, you don't want to be like that sort of put upon gm that's like mm-hmm. throwing pearls before swine every week no uh, yeah so. <laughs> yeah i feel our our podcast is mostly geared toward game masters because they're the ones who are going to be mostly paid listening to an rpg podcast anyway yeah because <laughs> they're the ones who care more about it, the game than anybody else so. all of you out there who just play games but are listening to this realize that like yeah. there's a certain extent to which you're the chosen people yeah your your dedication does not go unnoticed <laughs> um but yeah i mean as a player like 
I mean, there are things you can do to help out to make sh- to help ensure a campaign kit gets off to the right start, and, and like the stuff we talked about, like having a tone, thinking about your character. Uh, I mean, players can have a good positive effect on other players. You know, uh, lead by example. You know, if you're the one like I have this backstory and I want to do this and blah 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 blah, and people are like, oh, that sounds cool. Well, and then like they, they if they realize that's expected of them, then they're more likely to you know mm-hmm. maybe make a story. Uh, I, I mean, so obviously it doesn't always work because you know great backstory versus forger sniper mm-hmm. but sometimes it does uh and y- you just have to try um and yeah so i don't know i mean starting a new campaign is can be really like oh my god uh, a lot of worry and you know it can be very cause a lot of anxiety for some people and but for other you know i i'm excited by it i, I i'm purposely making this more open-ended because i just want to see what happens um, and I want to have a change of pace than what I usually do, which is, you know, Fallen Flag, very focused story, duality, meandering, but it had a definite end, you know, it was, and it had sort of a metagame goal, which was to tour the outer system and do some gate crashing and then go fight, you know, some bad guys. Um, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, but just like you asked us all if we could do it, and we're yeah. all like, yeah, that sounds fun. And then you're like, it's going to be like this. You're like, yeah, that sounds great. And you looked at our body language, and no one was like rubbing their toe into the ground, and be like, I guess. I'm yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a usually a good sign that yeah. it's time to start on that. So. Yeah. Um, so that's a good point. So, yeah, I mean, Caleb, your games have always been very focused, uh, you know, like God's to a fault to a fault. <laughs> I'll be the first food. Yeah. Um, and Bill, um, Armitage files is going great so far. So can't wait till, <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll be posting that soon. Actually. It's uh, true. Um, so, and Aaron, atomic robo was, uh, was fun, of course. And we went into the postmortem stuff. And again, I yeah, feel like there were, were problems with, I mean, certain issues with players. Uh, yeah. Well, it, that but we went on, into in great detail, but also on my end too, for it's providing more of a focus at the end too. Cause yeah. like I said, uh, whereas like I said, God's teeth and Armitage have more of a, adds like more of a focus that ended up being free form until I could, could kind of sure. control to ending. Cause realistically that was actually built on the shoulders of three games that I did for the Patreon. And yeah. then I suddenly thought maybe I could take this a little bit further. Oh God, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. So. Um, and, and that's the thing, like running one shots helps you figure out what you want to do for your next campaign too. Mm-hmm. I think like just, I mean, running games is like anything else. Just practice makes perfect. So like, even if you can run one shots, that helps. And that's where the online stuff, again, Google Hangouts works pretty well now. <laughs> and there's other voice, uh, over IP apps now. There's like discord, um, which was pretty good. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, worked pretty well. And, uh, there's much other stuff. So even though Skype is terrible now, uh, terrible. it is so bad. I can't believe it's gotten this bad. Like two years ago, is we it could drop record. that much because I haven't used no, it. No, like they get out your phone and call your game group. It, like it <laughs> will work call. better. Yeah, AT and T somehow. No, you sucks can't less record to it. You can't record Skype calls anymore easily. Like what? you have to use different. Hamler. Like you have to record the system software basically. Like you like uh, the the I got uh, an app called Pamela that would allow me to record. I mean, that's, that, t- that doesn't work anymore. Oh, they yeah. cut that out. Damn. It's, yeah, they disabled the recorder API for it, so it's <laughs> it's kind of. Jeez. Terrible. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, terrible. Terrible. So, anyways, uh, on that note, uh, we'll uh, be playing some music and then we're going to be back. Shout outs and anecdotes from one of Tom's recent games. Bet it's going to be Vaporwave. Uh, that was an. Uh, the anecdote? Uh, <laughs> well, that that's in the base version. Oh, spoiler. Anyways. Uh,
Shoutouts and anecdotes. We're back. Ooh, All right. Shoutouts and anecdotes. Vaporwave. <laughs> vaporwave. What's the Vaporwave uh, song? Oh, yeah. No, it's all going to be Vaporwave. Uh, it's Vaporwave. Uh, Until some new kind of electric. I found her great Vaporwave DJ, uh, Haircuts for Men. Uh, he was, <laughs> <laughs> he's based in Honolulu. No, it's great. Like... Ross, have you gotten into Hopcore yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, All right, new yeah. new game for the podcast. <laughs> you tell me about something that's going on for Vaporwave, and it's a 50-50 shot, whether it's actually happening or you just made it out <laughs> and pulled it out of your ass. <laughs> and then we try and guess which it is, because... Oh. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> what? There's a there's just... a DJ called Haircuts for Men. <laughs> okay. Um, the latest drama involves uh, uh, Oscob uh, fighting with Hong Kong Express uh, about over the Dream catalogs, uh, inc- taking out uh, Dogecoin as a uh, artist in their uh, album list. That is true. That's real because you told me about it before. Yeah. Well, Dogecoin is not. Dogecoin oh, well, is not. Yeah. But the, everything else you <laughs> right. actually mentioned. I had exactly. to think about it to come up with it. To, oh, that was a, just, that was a yeah. trick. That's yeah, bullshit. You know, I mean, this, like, yeah. not right now. You need to prep this in future really so, I, I, I will for prep. Vaporwave or Bullshit, yeah. the new RPPR game. <laughs> this actually sounds like a plot generator for Shadowrun. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, but anyways, we should probably have some shoutouts. Oh, yeah. Um, so recently, uh, I have uh, let's say there's a documentary I watched on Netflix. It's pretty entertaining um, called Electric Boogaloo, which is the story of Canon Film, uh, which is uh, basically during the 80s, late 70s or 80s, uh, was a film production company by and uh, hyper nationalist American films made by Israelis. Yes, by Israelis, <laughs> by two Israeli guys who were super enth- enthusiastic about movie, but had you no taste. No, no, no. Literally no taste. I was trying to think earlier because there was like one super legit movie that they actually made. Oh, they and did it several. He Man, wasn't it? Uh, they did. Well, that that was a movie. That I would not describe <laughs> that as legit. legit. <laughs> well, no. I mean, like, it is a movie in that it has a beginning, middle, and end. Well, it well, would qualify under that. Hey, Favorite part of He-Man is when they run out of money. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, it Ross, just goes visibly, to the suburbs. Ross, I think you're missing the point. The greatest thing that ever happened in that movie, we had Frank Langella Skeletor. Uh, <laughs> the, it, yeah. w- and he got into and that part. Just, yeah. I mean, it ran on you know syndication and midday movies oh, yeah. in the 90s. Oh, God, like, uh, King Solomon's Mines, um, Life Force. Uh, Which did not run on Breaking. Uh, was it uh, Breaking and Breaking Two? Electric Boogaloo. Uh, both the dancing, rapping, dance movies, uh, hip hop movies, uh, tons of movies, including. And you some, are missing I, the classics. Uh, okay. Go, go well, ahead. Invasion USA. Invasion USA. Yeah, that's right. In which Chuck Norris single-handedly stays the entire United States. From Mexa Russians, so <laughs> those are Mexican Russians. Yeah, stop talking. You hit gold. It is a fascist wet dream. The, the only reason he joins to fight the invasion of the USA from immigrant Mexican Russians is because they blow up his swamp house, <laughs> and he just gets on a goddamn airboat and goes ape shit with an Uzi. This uh, seems topical somehow. And then there's and then there's Cobra. Yeah. Where Mar- Marion Cobretti, yeah. the name of the character. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone, who only eats pizza. Yeah, right. Um, is trying to save a supermodel from a cult of serial killers in the 80s that is no shit like 
2,000 men strong. Oh, God like, damn it. I know I remember it when I watched it with you guys. hundreds of <laughs> serial killers. Oh, no. yeah. They come out. It's like it's like Assault on Precinct 13 where they confuse criminals for cockroaches. <laughs> like, they come out of the walls. Like, every like half the police force are, like, cultist serial killers. Like, it's nuts. See, and one of my favorite things oh, about that entire yeah. movie was the fact that he had an entire crime lab in his apartment. Just all of this equipment. Uh, also, he drove a Studebaker. Yes. Uh, he had a genius. wider range of fully automatic weapons. Was constantly chewing a toothpick. Oh, and what about the everything por- about it's great? And, is- and what about the poor guy he kept bumping into uh, when he was parking and just beating oh. the living shit yeah. out of the guy in the purple pants, <laughs> the purple this hammer is pants? Sounding more and more like a non-comedic version of the Dragnet movie. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, the final, the final thirty minutes of Cobra is just him shooting serial killers. Yeah, that's all it is. Just not hundreds. Of, and the guy who plays the main serial killer, he's the bad guy in uh, X Files, the alien guy. Oh, the alien yeah. bounty hunter. Yeah, the alien so. bounty hunter. He he chews so much scenery. <laughs> it is the most beautiful piece of overacting I have ever seen. It is just like. It's it's Jeff Goldblum and Death Wish, <laughs> like uh, and Death Wish is another. Uh, they did not do Death Wish, but they did Death Wish two through five. Uh, so. When you're not good enough for Death Wish, yeah. uh, go to Canada. So the documentary is about this studio and like how well this company uh, and how they made all these schlocky movies and how Hollywood disrespected them. But the guys were just like, ah, screw it, we'll throw money, at. we'll do this movie, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. And they actually did some art movies, like they did Runaway Train, uh, Life Force. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, they did do Life Force. Do you uh, want to see Patrick or uh, Patrick Stewart? But they did, they did every do orifice. some good movies. I mean, every um, orifice. But yeah, it's it's about cinema. Uh, so it's a great documentary. They interviewed the actors, the directors, and uh, a lot of people about it. But uh, there is a lot of nudity. Yeah, in be it. careful. They yeah. basically started in Israel just making pornography. Yeah. So uh, the the early part of it is a lot of nudity. Oh, so they scattered throughout. They just yeah, try to it's... dovetail into legitimate. Well, I mean, they show clips from Life Force, and Life Force is basically a naked woman destroying London with <laughs> vampire powers. Space vampire. Space <laughs> vampire. vampire yes, thank you. Very. Uh, impressive. Vampire. Vampire. And so speaking of Netflix, uh, you saw a thing on Netflix. Uh, yeah, uh, something I've actually been looking very forward to uh, being the giant robot nerd that I am. So uh, that would be uh, DreamWorks Productions Voltron's Legendary Defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a reboot. Wait, is that the actual full yeah, title? Yeah, uh, Voltron Legendary Defender. So, okay. not so it's not DreamWorks, DreamWorks Productions, Voltron Le- uh, No, I was just identifying it's it. It's not named like a, a Kingdom Hearts sequel. No, 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 it's not. So, uh, this no. isn't a press No, not Dream Job Distance, <laughs> Birth by Sleep. We figured this Tactile out. Give us more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Evangelion. So, yeah. so um, uh, this is actually, yeah, this is produced by DreamWorks. Uh, it's actually being showrun by uh, Joaquin Dos Santos, who is best known for uh, working on Avatar The Last Airbender. Legend of Korra, and I believe the revised Thundercat series that Cartoon Network killed, uh, sadly. Uh, but it's uh, actually ended up being really good. They've actually taken a lot of the humorous aspects from uh, the humor from what you saw in Avatar and Korra, applying it to the new characters. Uh, this one is actually very much, it, it takes aspects from the old one, because if you watch the original series and know anything about its history, it's actually like three different anime series spliced into one. Nice. Um, That's all they should do with all anime. Yeah, which uh, which would kind of be fun to do at this day and age, but you know, as it is, th- th- you would hear a thousand the screaming of millions of weeaboos. So, yeah. um, but it really is interesting enough. Um, 
all and uh, the fun thing is is that it actually doesn't end. Every episode doesn't end with the giant robot fight. I think Voltron forms all of. I wouldn't say six to seven times the entire. Oh no, six times the uh, entire no, series. You're done. This is yeah, done. Yeah, this was yeah. not what I signed up. Nope. Yeah, nope. And and, and there's char- to, and there's a transform all and, the time. And, and there's character development Ugh. and Ugh. agency Ugh. and nope. uh, it's like and, not a giant robot. And, and there's actually a, uh, there's actually one little secret. You're ruining that my I'm, childhood. I, I'm sure one little secret's going to ruin this child. Everybody's childhood. Yeah. I've, Are they still child soldiers? Like, so. do you still like just put the youngest kids? Yeah. Uh, there's, in that's there. every anime, yeah, right? Like, well, no. The, the thing is, they're teenagers. Uh, the way that they set up is that they were uh, kind of teenage. Cadets. Is it Voltron the one on Alliance? Yeah, yeah. Alliance. Yeah, those are kids. Yeah, like those are young ass kids, well, like te- teenagers in tanks. Well, teenagers is city 20s. destroying tanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're teen. Uh, they're yeah. Those are ones, but in this case, they actually get pulled off into a, a wormhole because uh, one of them actually is related to. Uh, Two of the characters, well, sorry, two of the characters who get uh, kidnapped by the uh, evil force. I forget their name anymore. Yeah, doesn't really matter. Um, But uh, but I think the the youngest character is probably maybe 14. I think everybody else is supposed to be like either 16 to 20. Yeah, my Grimdark Voltron's like uh, uh, Snowbreaker. (laughs) (laughs) They're the only ones that can fit. Amongst all the gears, um, but no, anyone I, over four foot five will be chewed to pieces. Grimdark <laughs> Ultron also involved Tilda Swinton because I would watch it. Yes, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Oh um, but, You're actually fighting a giant Tilda Swinton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one, yeah, yeah. but no, it's, five out of seven. But Perfect. no, if you yeah, if you're wanting to watch something uh, that has that a little bit of that '80s aesthetic, but also has much more of the design and storytelling. Uh, uh, storytelling of the late 2000s with the people, with good people from good series, then this is a show that I think you'll enjoy. Shot Soldiers, yay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, um, you've been playing some video games, speaking of fighting, fighty things. So uh, I mentioned The Witcher 3 before, yeah. but uh, Blood and Wine came out, and it's like <laughs> 15 extra hours of content for like a $15 DLC. Dang, and then like Stone good Hearts of Stone is really good too, plus all of the additional missions and stuff like that. So uh, I've just I just restarted a playthrough of Witcher just because I want to make different choices and then encounter it in spurts through the main plot so uh, rather than doing it separately. Instead of pet it? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, doing it separately. Um, but I mean, it's just nuts. I am so excited for the CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk game because like they're the best game developers on the market right now it's just like 60 dollars for a game they hear uh, they were awful up to women and any kind of social justice stuff before they heard lessons and like changed that shit in the witcher 3 and then you're paying 60 dollars for like what is now a 200 hour rpg experience with all the dlc uh it's just pretty amazing i wish every game company was like <laughs> meanwhile destiny's probably going to give me one new strike and a raid and i'm going to pay 30 dollars for it and then they're going to say oh you got a shader now congrats <laughs> okay and then spit on me as they count my money right. and i'm going to accept it caleb it's destiny uh, K- caleb but yeah. uh, just no, don't accept it anymore don't be don't tell no to jeb tell no to everybody you can get off this bandwagon it's not too all late. right look you, I'm, 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 I we all have our addictions we all none have of addictions. you can fucking critique me yeah. none of you can judge me all right <laughs> no i'm not I, judging i'm, I'm begging i'm with caleb i like i'm i'm in payday too they added ron perlman to payday oh god yeah i know I'm, so, I'm right there with you yeah i get we get ron perlman as a payday <laughs> heister guy so he's pretty much his character from on uh, a train uh <laughs> he's pretty much his character that's from all that it takes to please me uh i'm that bad um 
And speaking of gaming stuff, uh, Bill, you got a new keyboard? Yeah, yeah, because my old one was very flat and very, very membrane. This one's still membrane, but it has somewhat clickier keys. At any rate, it's the SteelSeries uh, Apex 350, yeah. which was a nice combination of the features I like in a keyboard and a little bit more slant to go with my higher desk than I had previously. And uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, also not expensive like that was the good part like msrp is like 100 even but it was like 72 on amazon no it's not bad discount so yeah yeah. see i never understood like i mean i use an ergonomic microsoft ergonomic keyboard because you know uh, it works my wrists uh i use an ergo keyboard at work all day so i figure you know no more gaming than i actually do i can afford to give myself that much carpal tunnel (laughs) okay Uh, well it's worth it for the clacky key because they clack it wasn't just that. Like okay. I, I'm, I am, I am unreasonably picky about like volume keys and macro keys. And oh, okay. It had to have a keypad because I'm a data slash accountant guy. Oh yeah, no, yeah. So like, yeah, yeah keypad or GTFO. Yeah, no, definitely keypad. No, no Jesus. Yeah. What kind of fake keyboard doesn't have a keypad on it? Well, <laughs> most gaming keyboards. Ugh terrible shameful um and, spoken like a true accountant um speaking of accounting uh <laughs> i recently finished a book hot art it's a hell of a uh, segue because uh accounting comes up a lot in it because uh, it's about the art theft and the black market for art, stolen artwork uh and how there is basically no accounting for uh art Taste. uh or well actually the art itself a lot of cash transactions it's poorly regulated at best uh and there's little provenance in the way of a stolen artwork so um basically it's the world's it's the world's fourth largest black market after guns drugs people it's art uh and now because uh, what's happening now in the last decade or so is that uh criminals uh, are beginning to use these as ways uh, as basically uh currency you know like if you have a million dollar painting you could use that to pay off a debt uh, or sell it to someone else, and then it'll just pass hands. Like they've ra- they, like part of the book talks about how they raid drug dealers' houses and like, oh yeah, this junkie gave stole a painting from a museum to pay off his debt, and it's like, well, all right, I'll, I'll count that. So what you're saying yeah. is when we see a Mexican cartel on Antiques Roadshow, <laughs> yeah. you know. uh, and that well, the other way they use it is also to. Uh, that's actually one thing that they do is to I'd use play that stolen art. Oh yeah, I yeah. want to see that skit so bad. <laughs> so, like, I don't think it's worth that much. Some guy snaps his fingers. A guy in like full meth cooking gear comes over with like a fifty-five gallon drum, starts pouring caustic fluids into it. <laughs> guy with face tattoos starts gawking gun. No, it's worth a lot. Oh, no, no, it's no, worth a lot. No, no, if you, I'm sorry, I'll have it. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, okay. Um, uh, now, no, Mister the Jackal, if you would just. Uh, if you just if you invest a little bit uh, for uh, the uh, UV protective frame and glass, and maybe a little bit of restoration, thousand, it'll be worth. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not about the money anymore. It's about the reputation. Well, that's another thing. Is actually like nobody screws with Noriega. Um, you laugh, but organized criminals are using like auction houses to like. Uh, uh, launder. launder money like yeah. they'll they'll just yeah have straw buyers to buy like you know paintings and sure. like they, then they like the auction house gets their cut so they don't give a shit write that and, down for your nba yeah. games yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no exactly uh so and then of course there's art forgery too because again like a lot of these high-end uh artwork is uh, sold through dealers who 
um, basically operate on trust and like having a good relationship with clients. It's all done in back rooms and done with cash. And so like, yeah, it's, it's just ripe for uh, stolen artwork. Uh, and there's plenty of gameable ideas in this book uh, because there's very little law enforcement looking at stolen artwork. Like the FBI has an art cream, art crime team, but that's 16 agents in the entire <laughs> country. Uh, scattered about and then you like LA has an art crime detail and New York might have one detective working on it uh, so that's it like there's just nobody else like there's very little <laughs> d- being done about this it's like the one Dennis so, Leary character, yeah. character from uh, oh uh, damn it what was the Pierce Brosnan art movie. I can't remember. Thomas, Thomas Grand Affair. Down Thomas Grand Affair. Thank no, no, no. no. That's actually, basically just looking there, going "fuck you all." No, no, no. The, actually, <laughs> they bring myself. that movie up again and again because they just point out what bullshit it is. Because <laughs> they're not stealing because they love art. They're, they're stealing shit because it's worth money. <laughs> so uh, it's a good book. Uh, there's a lot of cool gameable ideas, and especially for Knights Black Agents, but in any kind of uh, crime game, um, like idea, like they, they explain how the mechanics of it work, how like the, the like in London, they interview this guy who would case houses by going to him like, hey, I'm buying old antiques. Do you have any antiques you could buy? And he'd just stroll through the house, get a tour, and like maybe buy something. And he'd be like, oh, that's worth 10000 That's worth 5000 And then like a week later, he hires a burglar to go in and steal this painting or something like that. I'll uh, say so, yeah. this for it. Yeah. I really want to see a Delta Green uh, Brotherhood of the Yellow Sign yeah. game. That revolves around a fundamental misunderstanding of the term art crime. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, yeah, and stolen antiquities are a big thing, too. Like, you know, ancient artwork being dug up from the Middle East and being sold on the black market or on eBay. You know, I mean, it it happens all over the place. Uh, So it's not just modern artwork, but it's ancient shit, too. So uh, Yeah, Delta Delta Green, Green. the art crime unit is like the hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you could transfer to art crime. There's like a lady just doing five-finger filet on the table. (laughs) It's like chain smoking. They're playing Russian roulette. Everybody has an eye patch. (laughs) What do you have? It's a a statue this time. How old? Real old. Here, uh, here, here's here's a drink. All right, you're on our crime. If you make it through three jobs, we'll transfer you out. (laughs) So, Uh, what are you carving on my chest? Bay you no mine, rookie. (laughs) Uh, I do want to mention uh, some fiction that we're not. I'm not quite done reading, uh, but we'll be able to have full reviews in upcoming episodes. But I want to mention because they sent us review copies. Uh, One is Defying Doomsday, a uh, anthology of sci-fi. Uh, stories about uh, disabled and chronically ill protagonists dealing with alien invasions and other apocalyptic events. Uh, and I feel this is very apropos because of red markets. This is, of course, for red markets, one of the main things is to uh, include people with disabilities and that kind of thing. Yeah. Because, um, so uh, it looks really cool. And I haven't had a chance to read it because right now I am reading uh, Cthulhu Sattva, uh, Tales of Black Gnosis. Uh, Tales of the Black Gnosis. It's a collection of Cthulhu fiction, uh, including one in, a novella called Litany of Earth. Um, and the whole theme around this is like Cthulhu as black and light, like dark enlightenment. Like, not just like, oh, I go crazy and oh, it's terrible. It's like, oh, Cthulhu can provide uh, wisdom or knowledge, and you know, or the mythos can. So, so you still go the crazy, is but. the alt right? Huh? No, no, what? Oh, no, no, no. You said dark enlightenment. Uh, no, don't go there. Uh, well, black gnosis, yeah, not not that. Uh, that was uh, a slip of the tongue. Uh, um, it's actually really good so far. Uh, Litany of Earth is actually. Uh, so Ross doesn't Bill. want his site Bad yeah. taken down from the inside. God, yeah, damn it, Bill. <laughs> um, don't Google that term. Uh, <laughs> so. 
The Litany of Earth is a novella about a woman who is basically a descendant of the people from Innsmouth, and they treat Innsmouth as like the Japanese internment camps. And so it's about her life. This uh, novella was featured on Tor.com. Uh, it was very good. I've, I read it before the, this anthology came out. So yeah, me too. It is very good. Yeah. Um, but there's a bunch of other stories in it, too, that I, I haven't finished all of them yet. But so I'll have a full mm-hmm. review. Uh, next episode but um, let's see here uh, Aaron uh, we've been playing another video game speaking of horror uh, that's true uh, there was a game that uh, Ross was kind enough to give me a beta key for uh, called Dead by Daylight yeah. uh, it is uh, I, I can't really say co-op because what would it be it's four as? asymmetrical asymmetri- co-op. asymmetrical yeah. co-op okay. yeah 4v1 no, 4v1. Four, 4v1 4 human survivor versus 1 uh, Jason Four slash Freddy plus. slasher yeah so yeah, he's, he's, yeah basically your general like Jason Voorhees uh, Leatherface slasher. Yeah. Uh, you're all confined to an arena, which I believe is supposed to be like a mining camp. And <laughs> well, there'll be multiple stages. Yeah, there are multiple stages, but in the beta, there's a mining camp. Uh, you're supposed to, the survivors are supposed to work together to turn on four, three or four generators. No, it's number of survivors plus one. No, okay, so uh, it'll eventually yeah. increase yeah. behind that. So you have to turn on a certain number of generators in order to open a gate and get out of it. Uh, it really is actually good. It's pretty fun despite its bugs, which uh, I feel that we need to point out one really hilarious one that happened. Yeah. Um, during it, because uh, we streamed with a RPPR listener, uh, Capitalocracy, yes. who is uh, also does a podcast called Gibbermouth, um, and he streams on Twitch. Yep. So, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so we were streaming for that one night, uh, and we went through a couple rounds where Ross was playing the killer, and we did the survivors. Uh, we, and, yeah, we altered uh, took turns. Uh, the neat thing is when you're the survivor is that you can your heart you can hear your heartbeat increasing when the killer is around. Uh, and there's a lot of good places because they keep it dark enough where you can hide and stay out of sight. So, because I, I, when I was the killer, I had a hard time finding most everybody. Uh, but when you do get, when you are captured, uh, you are taken to an altar, which, uh, you know, strangely enough, is very reminiscent of the Fisher of Men. Yeah. So, when you're uh, hung on a meat hook, okay. and then you have, like, other survivors have a limited time to, like, rescue you yeah. from the meat hook. And if you're not, you're pulled into the sky by a giant monster. Yeah. So it's basically make it out of yeah. the arena or... Yeah. yeah. It's very Fisher yeah. of Men. Fisher of Men. Yeah. Uh, but you have places to hide. Uh, the survivors are a little bit quicker, and you can put down obstacles in front of the killer who's... No, you're faster than the survivors. Yeah. The killer's faster than the survivors. Is he survivors? Okay. Yes. So I thought the survivors no, were a little bit faster. No, he would not work if the survivors yeah. could run okay. away. Um, like, but anyway, what happened in this case, because uh, when we were playing... I was my second no it was my first turn as a killer uh, I found capital uh, in one he had hidden in the closet and the way we figured it out is that there's some glitch that must have happened a collision error when we opened the doors together and it teleported me outside of the arena. I could see the walls I could see the endless ocean of void yeah. and I went around to the uh, to see where it was and they tested it out it's like oh we hear the heartbeat as you're coming towards the gate but I could not do jack shit yeah. and then it got even better as I backed up and I fell through the ground so <laughs> I was just floating in the void as <laughs> I'm good yeah. So I think the thing is with this game, we kind of like the game does not have voice communication by default. We went into Discord to talk to each other, so even the killer could co- communicate with the victims. And I think that's the key to making this fun is having it be a party game where everyone Absolutely. can shit talk each other. Oh yeah, because uh, constantly. No, I'm yeah, 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 I'm gonna exactly. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, they like, kept, well, I Ross kept smell. Yeah. Well, Ross and Capital kept bitching at me because I wouldn't say anything until anything until I was right on top of them, and I would just go, "Hi, yeah, yeah. stab." Um, <laughs> like I played it with random puppies, and it's obviously a much more stressful experience when you don't, you can't communicate with anybody. <laughs> uh, so, not I don't know. Like the beta, it, it, 
I'm kind of on the fence. I'm I I actually got the full game, so I'll I'll try it obviously when it gets full release. Um, so I may if you're if you haven't got it yet, um, maybe wait for the full release release to and watch reviews or listen to review, you know, read some reviews before you decide to buy it or not. So I mean the beta was fun, but, uh, but I don't know like how much friends. mileage I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's definitely worth you know watching YouTube's of it. Um, we'll probably play it again at some point for Railery or something like that. So. Um, but yeah. Um, Bill, you also had another review of something. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to pull this one uh, off. wasn't on the list at all. I just Ooh. remembered it, uh, and I don't think anybody on here has uh, shouted it out before. So. Uh, Melissa finally conned me into an Audible subscription, so, you know, audiobooks, yay. Uh, but sort of has me branch out into stuff I wouldn't normally do, so I'm shouting out to the Southern Reach Trilogy by uh, Jeff Vandermeer. Oh, it yeah. Is really fucking cosmic horror. Yeah, I've mentioned uh, that one before. It's weird. Is that the one with the... No, that's... Uh, he also, what's the one he did with the underground city with the mushroom people or whatever? Is that... That's Vandermeer, isn't it? I think that's Finch. Oh, okay. So what was this about? Southern Reach is like the Area X that's yeah. like a part nature preserve, part yeah. Carcosa. Yeah. Uh, and it's just... Expect no explanation at any point. Huh. It's kind of great. Whole thing. Uh, yeah. It's just bizarre from front to back, and then it ends, and then another one starts, <laughs> and it's also bizarre from front to back. Yeah. I, which, you know, I kind of like that sort of thing, but from an imagery perspective, it's great fodder for Armitage. So, Oh, yeah. no, it's really great um, writing. It's just, you know... It's it's not weird fiction in the, like, oh, we'll get shotguns and try and shoot. It's, it's, it's no. weird as in, like... What? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, uh, actually, Ross, I did have one other thing. It's a, a little bit more bigger news because it it was tied into E3. But I, I did. I want to mention this because I I was something I thought was never going to come out. Um, the Last Guardian. Team Ico's The Last Guardian Octo- Last. in October. Yeah, I'll believe it when it comes out. Yeah. I know, but uh, I'm, moving still, on. I'm still going like, moving holy on. shit. <laughs> moving on. Uh, I'll believe it when it comes out. Uh, so, Backpack of Holding, uh, Bill? Yeah. 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 Uh, that's the thing I got off thinking uh, on a sale. I'd like, had a distance lusted after it for like five years and yeah. just never pulled the trigger. And I logged on one day and it was like 40% off. And I was like, I'm going to get that bitch now. So yeah. I did. And it's a wonderful backpack. Uh, mm-hmm. I can... Like, it doesn't look like I should be able to fit a 17-inch laptop in there, but damned if I can't. Extra-dimensional. Uh, That's yeah. what she said. <laughs> oh. uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the top PDF folds over very well uh, to make sort of like rainproof case and all that. Okay. And it's it's huge. Yeah. Nice. Uh, speaking of huge things, uh, the also what she said. Uh, the uh, I recently donated uh, some materials to an art project called the Jerry Project. Uh, the people do everything <laughs> is terrible. Uh, are attempting to collect every VHS copy of Jerry Maguire uh, in existence uh, and build a pyramid of them in the desert. Uh, like you do. Like you do. So I sent forth my contribution. Uh, they have over 12,000 copies right now. It's uh, currently in the form of a throne. It's currently in the form of a throne. Uh, so if you ever go to a thrift store, if you have a Jerry Maguire tape, 
uh, Google. I'll have a link. Uh, there's a PO box in uh, uh, L.A. that you can mail these to. Uh, and let's bring this art. This is a testament to our civilization. If we could have, because they, they will you know, in a dry, arid environment like that, it'll last forever. Uh, <laughs> it could be an enclave. Oh God, dude! Uh, what, what, what the hell are the neuromancers going to say about us when they yeah. find that shit? Uh, t- yeah, it, like Ozymandias. Look upon my works, you mighty of despair, uh, and show me the money. Show me Need the, the money. money. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to put that in a Red Markets game now. Or I, Unknown Armies. I hate your aesthetic sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, it's actively hostile towards beauty. Like, I disagree. <laughs> okay, Ross, yeah. do, do you remember You're when like Ross, an aesthetic terrorist. Ross, <laughs> when, when, when he wasn't God. here, yeah. what's your favorite type of music? Oh, you know, the music they played at grocery stores from 1993 <laughs> to 1997 brought through a synthesizer and slowed down with, like, really angry industrial noise in the background. <laughs> yeah. Ross, I'm it's gonna, beautiful. I, I'm going to remind you, too, that... What, oh, I was going to say jazz, but, yeah. you know, that's good, too. Yeah, Ross, I'll remind you, when we were... When he was away, watching The Legends, trying to get our way through that... The anti-abortion video oh, yeah. where the kid was playing the abortion. Oh yeah, uh, uh, legend being the twelve or eighteen hour three DVD <laughs> box collection of everything is terrible montage. It was funny at first, and yeah. then it wasn't, and then it was funny again, and then it really wasn't, <laughs> and then it just kept. Going. Yeah, it gave no fucks. It, you gaze upon it, and it gazes at you. Um, that is an unknown army scenario no, in a DVD box. Uh, finally, I would like to mention uh, easyrollerdice.com they were kind enough to send us some review dice uh, to try out in a dice cup and some dice uh, bags uh, and a D4 that will kill a person yeah they I have a metal dice set from them and it's very fancy uh, sharp edged uh, and it makes a very loud noise when you thunk it on the table roll it on the table uh, but it has yeah it's if you wanted good dice bags and good di- di- uh, dice set there's yeah so uh, they are quality uh, how much was that di- did they say I don't know it's like I, $49 or probably okay. I'm Ross Payton I get free samples yeah, I get yeah. review copies and I reviewed it and they will be mentioned in several actual plays so be, be a key <laughs> listener and like easyrollerdice.com uh, except when we roll it like what was that noise yeah uh, exactly so uh, I think finally um, we have uh, anecdotes and I feel uh, we should mention one thing Tom recently ran Call of Cthulhu uh, that Caleb and Aaron were both in um, where it was World War II uh, it was not Divine Fire drink uh, amazingly enough yeah, yeah. that was no. <laughs> I just uh, I'm not sure what scene I mean we were basically British Commandos trying to rescue a German scientist from a Nazi compound in the mountains of France uh, yeah, it was the premise. Uh, I don't but, know, Caleb. What's your favorite part of that? What what anecdote would you like to do? Um, There's so many to choose from. <laughs> My favorite is when the Nazis sent us back to rob a 16th century Spanish galleon. <laughs> yeah, uh, I completely failed. Oh no, Tom group rolled sand loss for us. Yeah, for everyone who failed, which is like five of the six players, and then you rolled a six. Yeah, <laughs> so everyone went simultaneously <laughs> insane, and there were still like three Gestapo guys who were just totally fine with this. So my character got claustrophobia and went sprinting to the top of a Spanish galleon in the middle of a storm, and uh, and shot and the deckhand. Everyone else went went crazy, but I think my absolute favorite has to be when. 
Ross was doing what the Nazis were saying and killing them all to prevent a time paradox that would wipe out existence. <laughs> and then Aaron tried to save everyone. And then... Yeah, Aaron, I would like to explore this. And then, Why did you want then, to save the No, we gotta get through the whole thing. Okay. We gotta get through yeah, the whole we'll thing. Let him get out so of the then system. Aaron uh, put them all on a life raft. Yeah. Which would cause them to survive the storm, which historically wiped Possibly. them all out and yeah, totally lead to a... Uh, you know, <laughs> sound of butterfly uh, scenario. It's, uh, sound of thunder. Effect, yeah. yeah, butterfly effect scenario. Uh, sound of thunder. Sorry. Heck. Wow, that was a the sound of a butterfly. That was a malaprope. Like, sound like of butterfly. Um, anyway, puts them all on a life raft. At which point, Ross no guns them down. <laughs> so then we go back, and uh, Aaron and I are damaged, uh, and you know we see Yogg-Sothoth. It's not a great look. Um, and then Yox is off, like, talks to Aaron. And he's like, I would like to come into your world and devour all that is. Would you like me to do that? And Aaron's like, yeah, leave Caleb's character alive because he didn't try and kill my conquistadors. But murder everyone else. So then a massive... So Aaron becomes a vector for Yogg-Sothos to enter into reality. So... Just to sum up, Aaron was angry that Ross killed his people that were going to wipe out history as we know it. So when we got back, Aaron wiped out existence. Uh, to be fair, he also saved Faust's character, too. He saved Faust, too. Yeah, Faust and I were okay. okay. We just saw everyone we knew yeah. die. All right, so oh, Aaron. Okay, may I have my rebuttal? Yeah. You're, of course, you're going to. You always do. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, I might as well just say fuck you and stay silent and leave it at that. <laughs> All right, great episode. Right, great episode. <laughs> That's been our This has been our No, just kidding. He's um, still going to talk no matter what. <laughs> so why why did you do it? Um, well, I'm okay with it. I lived. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, oh, I just <laughs> thought it was deeply humorous. Oh, uh, so young uh, no, no, uh, no. I, I will say no. I, I pretty much. When it came to the sailors, though, uh, yeah, that was me succumbing to sympathy pet syndrome. I, I don't deny that one Her at all. Conquistadors are so sympathetic. No, no, yeah, they're so sympathetic. But considering that we were like time traveling Nazis wrecking their shit when they were, were going to die anywhere, time traveling British commandos uh, undercover as Nazis. We might as well just been it. So, um, no, wait, I have a different favorite part of the game. I will get to it later. Okay. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I was ju- I was looking at that from the aspect of God. Okay, this is probably wrong, but I'm going to try to save out of them. Ross, you're on point in the mission, so and I ended up losing sanity. Now, the reason why when Tom gave me the option, yeah, was that I lost twenty san in the process. <laughs> it's not. A, that, that's uh, well, not a well, hold on, that, that's not a reason. You say that's not a reason. I went full bug nuts, insane. I was. I think I was down to like fifteen or sixteen sand. And and realistically, had I had a chance to, uh, if it weren't right at the end of the game, or we were continuously confronted with Yogg-Sothoth. So, yeah. yeah uh, honestly, <laughs> I basically just went. I was. You know what? This is an avenue I haven't crossed. Really joining with the entity of the such. Let's see where that goes. And since so your reason was fuck it. 
Exactly, and All not, right. and you're not going to say that wasn't entertaining as hell. That's, better, that's a better and, Aaron and, justification than I think we've ever had before. I would have done it. I was my like, reason was hashtag fuck it. <laughs> I saw I had that massive sanity loss. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think you would have been in the right mind to begin with. It's like you know what, this will be interesting to see. Let's because I did not, I did not ask for this one. Tom just kind of didn't came, ask for this. No, I didn't ask for that ending. Tom just came up with like, hey, want to join with the time, the damn time lords? Sure. <laughs> Okay, no, my actual favorite okay, part of the yeah, game yeah. was, so Tom obviously wanted what we were going undercover at this Nazi base to be a secret until we did it, to like spring the time travel thing. Yeah. yeah. So, as a result, <laughs> we weren't brief. Oh, yeah. We were briefed so, on this. <laughs> every NPC we meet, no less than five, it's just like, you haven't been briefed yet? Ah. Uh, well, we'll t- oh, I'll, I'll brief you later, but you need to go see. So, like, everyone, like, would despair we weren't briefed <laughs> and then pass us on to someone else who would brief us. Then they wouldn't brief us <laughs> and they'd pass us. <laughs> so, like, by the time we actually got to the Cthulhu parts, it was like Kafka. <laughs> Have you been briefed? No, go to the next one. To be one. fair, Have you been I briefed? Think that is the most accurate role playing of the German military bureaucracy of World War II I've ever seen. I feel, I, I feel that's the most credible part of the scenario. No, I loved it, but yeah. by the end of it, like every time we encountered an NPC, it was like, Have they been briefed? <laughs> Who here has been briefed? I'm like scrabbing conquistadors, asking if they've been briefed. Like, no, it's like, it was just getting nuts. Unhand her dad back. Unhand her dad. Basically. That's um, Reckon's in Deutsch. So, yeah, which the conquistadors are sure to speak. Uh, so, that's a game that they'd we'll... They'd speak it if they'd been brief. If they were. <laughs> Uh, we will definitely have this game up oh at some point. Yeah. Uh, it was too good. We had a lot of time. Tom had a, it was a great scenario. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, and repeat, it wasn't Divine Fire. It, it, w- it wasn't Divine Fire. Uh, it involved similar thematic elements. You had to, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, yeah no, it was fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it was a little absurd at point. Yeah, we did get a little rowdy at times. Uh, but yeah, so that's something we, we drank. Um, a little bit, uh, except for Tom. <laughs> yeah, except for Tom. Weirdly <laughs> enough. Um, so this has been uh, RBBR episode 129, uh, campaign starters and parters. Uh, this is Russ Baden. Talk to you guys next time. Bye. Back, back, back red markets. Future funk. Buy my book. <laughs>